Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Thanksgiving is kind of an odd holiday. We think of it as an American holiday, um, and by nature, it's a religious holiday. And now a lot of secular people um, will celebrate Thanksgiving, but oftentimes you, you just kind of wonder why are they celebrating Thanksgiving? If they don't believe in God, if, they're not, if they don't want to worship God, why are they celebrating Thanksgiving? Because by saying Thanksgiving, it implies something. You're giving thanks to someone. Who are you thanking? If you don't believe that all of the things that we have received, that everything, every good thing comes from God, who are you thanking on Thanksgiving? Um, it, it begs the question, uh, it, 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 what do secular people do with, with Thanksgiving? Uh, tonight we're going to be looking at Psalm 95. You can turn to Psalm 95. In this text that we're going to look at tonight, in this psalm, I, I think I can sum it up in this. God commands us to praise Him and to give thanks to Him, and He threatens terrible things if we don't. <laughs> um, he gives us a warning. In the first half of the text, he's, he's calling us to praise Him. He's calling us to give thanks to Him for all of these reasons, and He lists out all of those reasons, and then He gives us a warning. He says, don't be like those who grumbled. Don't be like those who complained. Today, if you hear my voice, don't harden your hearts like they did at the rebellion when they wanted to go back to Egypt. Instead, praise Him. Give Him praise. And today is the day. He's warning us. You don't know what your future holds. You don't know if you have tomorrow. Today is the day. So, let's look at our text. Psalm 95. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into His presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to Him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In His hand are the depths of the earth, the heights of the mountains are His also. The sea is His, for He made it, and His hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down, let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, For He is our God, and we are are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Massah in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For forty years I loathed that generation, And said, they are a people who go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. 
Therefore I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that you have spoken to us in your word. This text says, Today, if you hear my voice, do not harden your heart. Lord, we pray, Lord, that we would hear your voice speaking from the pages of this psalm. Lord, we pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. And Lord, that you would help us, Lord, to praise you and to worship you, not to grumble and complain, but to give you all praise and all glory and all the worship that you deserve. Lord, give me strength. Give me grace as I preach your word. In Jesus' name, amen. He begins, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Seems pretty simple here. Uh, O come, let us sing to the Lord. It sounds like something we would say in a song. Sounds like something we would say at the call to worship time. In fact, it seems so familiar, we might just pass right over it. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. That is a command. <laughs> we, often, we often say things like hallelujah or praise the Lord as if it's just a, a, an interjection. That's it. Inter- as, as though it's an interjection like, wow, you know, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But it's not. It's a command. Here he, he says, oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. You know, God commands us to sing to Him, to, to praise Him. Uh, And when we come together to worship, that's why we do it. That's why we we begin with some time of song. It's it's not just an extra thing to try to draw people in or anything like that. It's not just something to, to try to get us in the mood to hear the Scriptures. No, He commands us to worship Him in song and in praise. The, the word there... Come, let us sing to the Lord is, is actually, uh, the, the word for sing is later on here in this text, but this word is actually the idea of giving a ringing cry, giving a, a war cry, a, a shout. Like you've just gone into battle and you've gone in and, and you've destroyed Jericho and you're giving the Lord a shout of praise. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. I love that. Make a joyful noise. That 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 some some of uh, you know uh, people have heard me sing, and I don't want to be proud or boastful or anything, but um, I often get compliments for my singing. But but not everybody does, and I don't know. I'm not going to put put anybody on the spot or anything like that. And I don't want to. I, I I just feel even uh, weird just even talking about this. But what are we commanded? Make a joyful noise. If you feel uh, uncomfortable about your voice, if, you, if you're af- afraid that people might hear you, don't worry. God wants you to make a joyful noise. I, I, sometimes whenever uh, I hear uh, Josh, I mean, he, he's, he's got a, a beautiful voice. Uh, he, I'm not saying he's a bad singer or anything, but boy, he just belts it out with joy, doesn't he, sometimes? And, and you can hear Him over everybody else. Oh, God wants us to be that way. God wants us to make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. The rock. 
of our salvation. He is that firm place. He is that security, that rock, that foundation of our salvation. We stand upon Him and our foot doesn't slip like Caleb was talking about last week. He is a rock, uh, uh, the rock of ages that we can hide ourselves in. He is the rock of our salvation. It then says, let us come into His presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to Him with songs of praise. Of course, this is the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, of course, they would have to come to the temple. And as believers, now we live in a new era and we are the temple. And so instead of coming to the temple... We gather together and we are a spiritual house that's built where with every person as a part of the body that's built together as living stones, as First Peter says. We come together and the Lord inhabits His people. We come together into His presence as we meet together. Let us make a joyful noise to Him with songs of praise. It's beautiful. Then he goes into the reasons why we should praise Him. Why we should make a joyful noise and sing to the Lord. He says, For the Lord is a great God. By great, it's not meaning uh, great as in good or great, but it's He's big. He's awesome. He's so big we could not imagine. The, the word there has the idea of a, a big and strong and mighty. He is a great God. And a great King above all gods. Some people might get a little tripped up on that. How can God be a great King above all gods if there's only one God? Well, we know that in the ancient world the, the, they had all kinds of different false gods, false idols that they would, they would worship, Baal and Asherah and all these different gods. Uh, it is not saying that there were those gods, those false gods were real, but it is saying that God is greater and higher than any other thing imaginable. God is greater and higher. And if, and if those, those false deities existed, God would be even greater and higher and more glorious and He could smash them with His breath. He's a great King above all gods. In His hands are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are also His. Notice there, He... he, he talks about these two dimensions here. In His hands are the depths of the earth. The deepest, lowest valley that you can imagine and the highest mountain here. In His hands are the depths of the earth. And in the heights of the mountains are also His. From the lowest place to the highest place, He's got the whole world in His hands, right? God is a spirit, and He doesn't have a body like men. As from the Baptist uh, Catechism for Boys and Girls, uh, when it says here uh, He holds the, the depths in His hands, it's not saying that He has some kind of a, a large body, but He is strong and He is powerful and He holds all things together. 
by the power of his will. Not a sparrow falls from the eye without his no- from from the sky without his notice. He is watching the sparrow. He is watching you, as the song says. The whole world is in his hands. And the next way, the next verse continues that theme. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. We think of the creation story. And on that day, he separated the water from the dry land, he just formed it with his hands. He spoke, and the creation obeyed Him. He is big, He is great, He is glorious, and He deserves our praise and our thanksgiving for His work in creation. And also, the seas could be a scary thing. You think of of sailors on the sea in the storm. You think of the scenes that we have in the Bible of of these, these storms that come up. And the people are, are, are afraid. And, and, and the disciples, they, they shout out to Jesus and say, don't you know we're going to die? And Jesus says, peace be still. The God who holds the seas in His hand became a human being. And He rode in a boat with His disciples and He said, peace be still. The seas are in His hand. And He formed the dry land. The psalm is reflecting back on the story of the people as they came out of the land of Egypt and as they crossed the Red Sea. He made the sea and His hands formed the dry land. And because of that, He was able to split that Red Sea and let His people walk right through the middle. Those are reasons why we should praise the Lord. He is great. He is powerful. He made all things. All things come from Him. And He tells us again to praise Him. Verse 6 returns to this theme of of a call to worship. He says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is God. He is our God. And we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Here, it, it's, it, it changes the way we worship. All of these words that He's using here, come let us worship and bow down and kneel before the Lord, our Maker, are all something you do in getting down on the ground and putting your face before the Lord. The word there for worship means to prostrate oneself. To get down on your face before the Lord. Oh, come let us worship and then bow down. I think um, there's two different words here, bow down and and kneel. One of them is the word to bless. um, But let us worship, let us bow down, and let us... Kneel before the Lord. All three of those things are having the, the idea of getting down uh, on our faces before the Lord in worship. We ought to have a sense of awe and wonder that just floors us, that bowls us over at how good and how great God is. 
But here, the reason is a little different. Before, he said, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord, like a joyful noise. The reason that he was following up was with with his greatness and his power and his his, uh, creation and how we see his power in creation. Here, it's different. He's saying, let us worship, let us get down on our faces, let us, let us kneel before Him, for He is our God. He's not just saying He is a God out there. He is personally our God. What is it that made the Lord the people of Israel's God, but His saving work as He called Abraham, who was a, 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 a pagan idolater. Well, he was a pagan among the Chaldeans in, in Babylon before God took him out of those people and He brought him out of that land and He made him a, a, a new people. He made a covenant with Abraham, brought him out of that, and, and made a covenant with his family that he would have... Uh, um, you know, descendants that would, he would make a great nation out of him. All of these promises. And then, not only that, he made this covenant with Abraham, but he, he saved his people out of Egypt. He, he, they were slaves there in Egypt. And he bought them. He redeemed them. And he brought them out of Egypt and where they were in slavery. He, he sent plagues on the Egyptians. He, he led them right through the water. And the first commandment says, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other God but Me. I am the Lord your God. And we praise Him because He has made us ours. This is, I've been talking about what He did for the Jewish people, what He did for the Israelites of, of, of old, but what He has done for us. We praise Him. We are floored. We bow down before Him because He took a wretch like me. He snatched me from the clutches of hell and made me His child. Adopted me. Adopted us. Made me go from an enemy of His to a son. All those things we've been seeing in Ephesians. Oh, come, let us worship, let us bow down, let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God. And we are the people of His pasture. Oh, how tender these words are. We are the people of His pasture. We think of the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He takes care of all of our needs. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He's lying down on the green grass. Isn't that the good grass you want to want to eat? But here he's lying down on the green pastures because it's so lush and plentiful. We are the people of his pasture. And the sheep of his hand. We are His. And that ought to cause us to praise Him, to, be, uh, to adore Him, to be blown away at what He's done in saving us. Notice something. 
the next line, today if you hear His voice. It has that as a part of verse 7. And if you look at the Hebrew text, it has that as a part of verse 7. But when we we normally think about this verse, we always attach it to verse 8. And in the in the New Testament, when when um, um, Jane was reading from the Hebrews passage, it, it it quotes it beginning there at the end of verse seven, going into verse eight. Today, if you hear his voice, as on, um, and do not harden your hearts. I think there's something significant about that. I think it could be like a pivot, like a like a um, a hinge on a door. I think it could go both ways. Maybe we haven't thought about it by taking of taking it with verse seven, but here's how it sounds if we take it with verse seven: For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Today, if you hear His voice. Sounds familiar to me. It sounds like something that Jesus said. My sheep hear my voice. Who knows? Maybe Jesus had this in mind. My sheep hear my voice. We are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand, if we hear his voice. If Jesus has called you and made you one of His sheep, you know, He talked about how I have other sheep that are not of this fold. We Gentiles are brought in. We believers are now His sheep. The people of His pasture. If we hear His voice. Have you heard His voice? Have you followed His voice? Are you hearing His voice right now? Now let's look at it the other way, the way that Hebrews quotes it. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as as on the day at Massah in the wilderness. He goes from a call to worship to a warning. He says, today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah. Well, what happened at Meribah? What happened at Meribah? Meribah is mentioned in two different places. It's mentioned in Exodus Exodus chapter 17, I think. And it's also mentioned in Numbers chapter 20. And in Exodus chapter 17, the Lord had just brought His people out of Egypt. And you had them complaining. They were thirsty. They were grumbling. They were complaining. We don't have any water to drink out here. Let's go back to Egypt. They're complaining. I think that's significant here. One of the things He was calling us to do was to come into His presence with thanksgiving. And yet here the people at Meribah, they were grumbling. They didn't have thanksgiving in their hearts. They had grumbling and complaining. And what did the Lord do in the midst of their grumbling? What did He was gracious still. He was gracious still, even as they grumbled. And the Lord told Moses, strike the rock. 
And Moses struck the rock and water flowed out of the rock. And God provided for His people. Even though they were grumbling and complaining, the Lord told Moses, strike the rock. And we know from New Testament references, looking back, the New Testament writers looked back at that scene and said, and the rock was Christ. Jesus was right there providing for His people. Just as He provides for us today. Even when we get grumbly, He still provides for us. The second place that um, Meribah is mentioned, it's very, very similar. Again, the people got grumbling again. They were grumbling and complaining and saying, we're thirsty, we should go back to Egypt. And in this time, the Lord tells Moses, speak to the rock. So Moses... He's been here before, the same location. He's been here before, he's been through this. Moses comes before the people. The Lord had told him, speak to the rock. And what's Moses do? He strikes the rock again. And for that, Moses is told, you won't go into the promised land. Here Moses is. He's the very one who had, God had chosen to lead his people into the promise, to in, out of Egypt, into blessing. And Moses disobeys the word of the Lord, strikes the rock. No, imagine what Moses must have felt like. You told me the first time to strike the rock. Why, would, why was it wrong for me to strike the rock the second time? That's not what God told him to do. He told him to speak to the rock. Maybe God doesn't speak, tell him the same thing every time. We don't want to get in a rut and just keep doing the same thing over and over again. So for that, even Moses, the one who had seen face to face, mouth to mouth, The one who God had hid him behind the cleft of the rock so that God could walk by and Moses could see His glory. Even he was taken out of being able to go to the promised land because he disobeyed it in Meribah. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah on the day uh, at Massa in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my works. Listen to that. Though they had seen my works. They had seen all the plagues. They had seen God strike the firstborn of Egypt down and He passed over them. God had, they had seen how God had delivered them through the Red Sea. But they hardened their hearts. They didn't hear His voice. They were the very people that God had saved. And yet, they hardened their hearts. Forty years I loathed that generation and said, they are a people who go astray in their heart. And they have not known my ways. Therefore I swore in my wrath, 
They shall not enter my rest. We know the story. That generation, the generation that God brought out of Egypt, didn't get to go into the promised land. Except two. Except two, that's right. I'm glad you've been listening, Josh. They didn't get to go into the promised land except for Joshua and Caleb. Even Moses didn't get to go in. Because they didn't listen to the voice of God. This is frightening. To think these are the very people who God had brought out of Egypt. The very people that He had set His love on. The very people that He had saved out of Egypt. And yet... They hardened their hearts. They didn't listen to His voice. And they weren't allowed to enter the promised land. The Bible tells us, the New Testament tells us, these things are written for our instruction. We are given this warning, and and the author of the the letter to the Hebrews, he talks about this. The, the Jewish people of his day, they were, they were, the Jewish Christians were tempted to go back into Judaism, to leave behind the gospel because there was so much persecution and, and they, were, they weren't able to hold up. They thought it would just be easier just to give up this Jesus thing. But Paul says, not Paul, the author of the Hebrews, we don't know who wrote it. He says, don't be like that generation. Don't be like that generation. Don't harden your hearts. And keep on encouraging one another every day, all the more, so that we don't have anybody with an evil heart of unbelief. There is a real danger for even people who have trusted in Jesus to harden our hearts. If it happened to Moses, it can happen to us. And I don't believe that a person loses their salvation. Maybe we miss out. When we don't listen to His voice. When we shut our ears. He's calling us to do something. And we just close our ears. And don't listen. Today, He says. Today, if you hear His voice... Don't harden your hearts. Follow Him. Listen to His voice. Worship Him. Bow down before Him. Make Him Lord and Master. Don't grumble. Don't complain. Have thanksgiving in our hearts to Him. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible tells us. We don't know what tomorrow brings. And if we hear His voice, if we hear Him from the Scriptures calling us, He's warning us, hold on. Hold on. Keep following Me. No matter how hard it gets, keep following Me. Don't harden your heart. There are two options. You can keep on following Me, keep on worshiping Me, keep on praising Me, 
Or you can harden your heart, miss out. The way the author of the Hebrews, author of the letter of the Hebrews puts it, I mean, heaven and hell are on the line. Again, I don't believe someone can lose their salvation. But sometimes it's that persecution that reveals who's real and who's not. And sometimes we can be self-deceived. What's the difference? It's when we hear His voice. When we hear His voice, we're given a choice. Are we going to do what He says? Or are we going to say, no, I'm the boss of me. You can't tell me what to do, God. When you hear His voice today, don't harden your heart. Follow me. Follow me. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.